0: So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello, and welcome to
1: the Fire in the Belly show. Today, we'll have myself, Mighty Pete, and we're joined by the Kyle Sullivan. Good afternoon. Good evening to you. Good afternoon, I think it is, yeah.
2: Yeah, afternoon uh, here in the States, and uh, super excited to jump into this. Listen,
1: Kyle, it's it's great to have you on. It's, uh, you know, like things, things are meant to happen at a certain time, so it's great to be chatting today, so... Kyle, tell us, who are you, what do you do, and where are you from?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So from the States, originally from uh, Louisiana. Mm. And uh, so if your listeners have ever heard, uh, it was a show really popular years back called Duck Dynasty. And uh, so my hometown, small town, Louisiana. And um, so that's where I'm from. I live in Oklahoma now um, in kind of the Midwest of the States. Been married for eight years, and I uh, got two amazing kiddos, two under two. My daughter will turn two in uh, like three weeks, and my son just turned two months old last week. And so uh, we are in the thick of it, man. It's a uh, it's a ton of fun, but my journey, my my story is uh, currently. I'm running a coaching company called Unleash the Champ where we take uh, motivated individuals and uh, take them on a journey of unleashing the champ and their calling, their heart, their altitude, mindset, performance. Been, before that, I was a pastor for 11 years mm-hmm. and uh, really large, uh, what you know people would call mega churches. And uh, so that was a ton of fun, a ton of lessons learned and uh, being a part of global uh, impact that way. Uh, Before that, I was a college student, and in my early days, um, you know, I was obsessed with sports. That was my life growing up: Um, baseball, American football, um, and powerlifting. Um, In the midst of all of that, got wrapped up in the party scene, and uh, so started in high school, intensified in college to the point where I was a D1 athlete in cheerleading of all things, which that was an, you know, interesting change of events from baseball and football, uh, to be a cheerleader on the sidelines, but in the midst of it, um, got wrapped up further party and drugs, um, even dealing drugs for about two years. And, uh, until I got jumped at a drug deal and literally got I mean, the hell beat out of me and realized, you know, maybe this isn't the life I want to live. And uh, so that started me on my journey uh, of faith and um, the 11 years that I was a pastor. And so have done a whole lot and uh, been, been through the top of tops and the bottom of bottoms. And uh, all of it has led to the, the fire in the belly, which is that unleashed the champ and uh, my coaching business now. Did it
1: take a beating to get you ranked?
2: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it definitely did because I had a lot of friends. It's like, Hey man, you know, you probably shouldn't like be doing that. And I'm like, nah, it's fine. I had a, and parts of it still exist. I have a bit of a Superman complex. Um, like I'll get through it. I'll fight through it. It's fine. I'll take my lumps that I was like, "Mm -mm, I don't want to experience that again. That sucked. And, uh, so yeah, it definitely, it took that clear of a, um, awakening, if you will, to say, you know what, maybe I shouldn't do that. This is not how I, I don't want this to happen again. And if this is what causes that, I'm gonna stop doing. I'm gonna stop doing the drug thing.
1: What doing the drug thing as you call it? What what did it give you? How was it serving uh, at that time?
2: Oh my gosh, man! So I'm naturally an energetic person, hmm. a high extrovert, big personality, loud by design. And so you take drugs that are uppers it just magnified my personality. And so what it gave me was, I thought was like, literally like the superpower. I, I was always on, I was the life of every party bigger than life. It was amazing. And so I just thought like, Oh my gosh, if I'm, if I'm this level, you know, if I'm at a seven by myself, Oh my gosh, there's Coke and the crystal and like that will take me to a 17 and people will like me even more. And people, because so much of it was my desire to be liked because I was one, like I was a very generous, uh, partier. <laughs> so I would get, you know, I would get, you know, on drugs partying, party and, drink and all like that. And I just became like everybody's best friend. Like, Oh, what do you want? I'll buy it. I got this round. I got it. So like, I'll walk into a party and they're like, Hey, Kyle's here. Cause he's about to just blow a bunch of money mm. on all of us. And that fed this need of approval and acceptance in me of like, yo, the, why would I stop doing this? Because I'm so liked, I'm so loved And you know, I, I created this persona and it took, it took me getting jumped to go, God, this is not worth it.
1: Hmm. What was the opposite there? I mean, not need to be liked and, and wanted. And and as you say, it's that, you know, Cal's here, therefore everything's okay. I mean, what was the opposite side of that? the downer side? I mean, was there vulnerabilities yeah. there?
2: Yeah, man. I think there was just like, I had this immense fear of just not being seen. And not you know, I don't think we had the term for it then, but like this fomo like fear of missing out, and so um so much of of my life growing up, I felt invisible, and you know, my parents were great, taught me a lot of things, but they had to work a lot. My dad was a senior in high school when I was born, and so he he had to do a lot to provide for us. And, and so I, I just didn't get seen a lot. And that's why I gravitated to sports because I was seen by coaches. That's why I made pretty good grades in school because I was seen by teachers. And so much of my life was, was if I do well, people will notice mm. me. Yeah. And the opposite, the downer side of that is kind of, if I don't, if I don't perform, then I don't, that I'm not seen. And if I'm not seen, then I don't feel validated. If I don't feel validated, who am I? Mm. And I had to work through a lot of that to just go, you know what? Like, I have some natural tendencies and preferences, but like, I'm more okay with just me than I ever have been. And, you know, I'm 34 years old, and probably in the last year is when. I go. You know what? I don't. I don't necessarily have to perform to be valued or to be worthy of relationship and acceptance. It just is. I don't have to do anything for it. Hmm.
1: I mean, that's a, that's a huge point. I mean, do you do you know why? In the last year, is it?
2: Well, it was kids uh, or it kids Uh. Well, I think I think having when my daughter was born and now my son it, um, it magnified my insecurities for sure. Mm. Um, and so through the midst of my coach that I work with the masterminds, I'm a part of, and an incredible counselor, all of those working together has kind of made me have the awareness that, Oh, this is why I do some of these things. And here's how we can replace that behavior and that belief and that mindset to make me whole because as I'm trying to be all things to all people, I lose myself in the journey.
1: Are you, well, first of all, are you where you're supposed to be
2: now? Do you believe? I think I'm right where I'm supposed to be. You know, I think a question oftentimes people ask is like, you know, if you could go back and especially with my story, there's a lot that people would look at it and go, yeah, I bet you probably want to change this or Anna, you probably want to, and I know because if I changed one thing, I'd change everything. Hmm. And so I believe I'm right where I'm supposed to be. I'm very content with the life I live, the family I have, the place I'm at in my business, all of that, but I'm not satisfied to stay there. And I think that's the distinction is that we uh, we could be content, but not satisfied.
1: Hmm. That's, that's actually big, isn't it? It's, it's sort of accepting in who you are and what you are, you know, and getting to that point of saying, listen, I don't apologize for being me. Right. I'm happy, right?
2: Yep, exactly.
1: You know, is there, um, do you find, is is there... A gap between who you are and who you could be, do you think? Is is that, you know, are you one and the same?
2: Oh, I think there's always uh there's always a gap. And because especially with those of us that have big visions, like when I close my eyes, what I see is like, it makes me want to puke in the best kind of way. <laughs> And I have to ask myself, like a question my coach asks us all the time is what needs to die in you to become the person you said you'd become? Mm -hmm. And so there is a gap, but I think it's, as I close the gap of my awareness and perception and vision now, when I close the gap, it's going to expand again. It's, it's always expanding because as we get to new levels There's new awareness and and increased vision happens. And so then it's like, okay, I made it. Oh, dang, look, look, that's the next, that's the next step. And so there's definitely a gap, but I'm, I'm content in the journey because I understand that the, the prize of all of this is in the process of getting there.
3: Hmm.
1: Wow. So it's the journey. It's not the destination.
2: Oh, for sure. Like, it's so fun to be able to go, you know what? Yeah. There's a lot that I would like to have gone differently, but I also believe that everything in life Hmm. works together for our, our, what I call the championship run, which is just our journey in life, our destination, our destiny. And so it's going and saying, okay, Hey, here's, here's where I want to go. Here's what I want to do. And yeah, it's, it's enjoying the journey Mm -hmm. as cliche as that sounds.
1: No, it's cool. I mean, but listen, you need that for the, for the high highs and the low lows. It's, you know, if you don't have that sort of reflection to say, yeah, this tastes sweeter because I remember what it was like not to have this or when this was an option, right?
2: Oh, 100%. It's a, You know, I I always had coaches, you know, playing sports growing up and, you know, they would always say like, don't, don't let a win, well, don't let a win beat you and don't let a loss beat you twice. And so by that, it's going like, Hey, if you haven't, if you haven't gone through some adversity, like, I mean, yeah, you'll win and you'll feel good about it, but there's nothing substantial. And then Hmm. nothing that sticks to you, like, man, I had, I remember when. If you don't have those, it's not as sweet as what you're saying.
3: Hmm.
1: Are you you pain driven or pleasure driven? What stage are you at in your life?
2: Oh, that's that's a great question. Um, Pain or pleasure driven? I think it's the, uh, the gosh, yes. Is that appropriate? Cause I'm thinking, I know that I need to go through the, mm. the, the pain of growth, the, to get to the pleasure of success. Mm. And so there's t- things even now that, you know, I'm having conversations earlier today going like, I had no clue about this thing. And it's frustrating to not know what I don't know, but it's like, man, once I get that, like the enjoyment is there. And so, um, I don't know if I could single out one or the other, because I think it's simultaneous pain, pleasure of when we increase our awareness, especially driven folks It's like, how did I not know this? But then on the other side of it, when you get to it, it's like, okay, cool. Like there's a good feeling in that.
1: Mm. It's always interesting. I don't know whether it's a it's a youth thing or experience or wisdom I and mean, there's no right or wrong answers, right? Some people, you know, it's like if their back's not against the wall, they're not working, you know, or some people saying, you know, if, if my back's against the wall, I've done something really wrong. I'm in a bad place, you know? So yeah. it's different. Some people it sets us on fire. Other people it's like, nah, I'm out, you know? So right. how we respond to pressure is different.
2: You know, it's yeah, clear. absolutely. I, uh, I definitely do. I've had to learn, Okay, when my back's against the wall, I am that fight mode, like, oh, I'm about to make something happen quick. And But even in that, one of my favorite quotes is by Mike Tyson, and he said, everybody has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. <laughs> and it's like, man, I've been hit in the mouth, and I've added a, a line to that to the people that I coach and, and friends and whatever. I said, okay, everybody has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. So start to like the taste of your own blood. Because in those movies, those fight movies where the person goes, you know, they just get knocked in the mouth and they, they wipe their lip. And it's like, you see your own blood and it's like, okay, now it's on. And the, the watcher of the movie or the TV show is like, Oh, it's about to go down. And that's what I feel like a lot of times we are in that place of like, like, Hey, just, just enjoy the hits that you get because it does bring something out of you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always fascinating how people, some people that, that's growth mode, right? That's sort of, you know, that's just warm up <laughs> that taste the blood in the mouth. So like, yeah, now, now I know it's on other people's going, Oh, this is I time to pack up the bag and get out. You know, it's, is it right? Do you think, I mean, that, that sort of level of exposure, I mean, is that, is that what entrepreneurship is about? Is that about, you know, that's true living. Is that, you know, it's like, if you're not tasting the blood, you're not, you're not close enough.
2: Oh, uh, 100% man. When I, I mean, I was started work at 16, started my company at 33. So 17 years of like clock in clock out, you know, and yeah, you, you just don't, you don't feel that same, that same hunger, that same, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta kill, you know, I eat what I kill type deal when you're getting that, that financial affirmation every two weeks from your employer. And so it is definitely what entrepreneurship is and going, okay, Hey, I'm going to put, I'm going to take imperfect action. I'm going to put myself out there I'm 51 percent sure this is gonna work. That's enough for me. It's tipped the scales. Let's go. That didn't work. Let's pivot, and we'll you know eventually get to the place when we don't stop.
3: Mm.
1: How did you end up being a pastor?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a great. Yeah, so you just take the wrong door somewhere. <laughs> it's like right. Oh my gosh, man. So I middle school and high school, I went to church. My dad had an encounter with Jesus and, and, and we started going to church when I was eighth grade. And I'll be honest with you. I couldn't stand it. I was like, this place is stuffy. These people are boring. I don't want nothing to do with this. Y'all talking to this person that's like in the clouds, like it didn't, it it made no sense to me. But when I got jumped at the drug deal, it was like years of messages finally made sense to me. And so when I got to the place and I said, okay, I don't want to live this way. I started going to church for myself on my own for the first time in years. And it got to this where I said, okay, I want to create something that appeals to people that were like me and that really was the driving force for me getting into ministry as i wanted er, frankly put i wanted to be a part of creating environments within the walls of church that didn't Mm suck, because so often like people like me the the partiers the ones that like wanted to be cool and cared about status and all like that, they wouldn't come into church because they walk in and it was like me going, these people are weird. And so when I got into ministry, I kept that like desire to create environments where people could belong before they believed or even behaved like what a Christian should believe and behave like, and so that was what made me really successful is because people would go like, you just seem like you seem normal. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Pete, that was the biggest compliment I could ever get in in ministry. It wasn't how good a sermon was. It wasn't how good a leadership talk was. It wasn't how big my teams had grown to. It was when people said, hold up you're a pastor. Like you seem normal. And that was my biggest compliment because I'm like, listen, I, I was a person before I got the title of pastor and I'm still a person now. And what you do doesn't really bother me. We can have a conversation. You don't even have to believe like I believe, but I value you as a person. So let's just, let's do that. And that drew so many people in because it was, it was just authentic and I wasn't trying to convert nobody. I was just loving people. And, you know, as the old old saying goes, I loved them right where they were at, but oftentimes I loved them too much to allow them to stay there. And so just through relationship, you know, I got to see a ton of people find a relationship with Jesus and it was never forced upon anybody.
1: Is that a teaching style that resonated with you, you know, and, and any of your coaches or mentors through the year, that sort of leading by example, show me. And,
2: oh yeah, for sure. The people that I work with and have worked with were all people that I watched for a long time before Mm. I even, you know, worked with them. And it was just like, okay, like, I just want to see how you are really outside of your profession. Like if you can, you know, love your kids well and love your family well, and, you know, have a life outside of your business and, and they, then, yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm, we're, we're in sync. But when I would see people that it was not like that, it probably wasn't a lot of alignment there. Mm.
1: Some of this, what is, does what far in the belly mean to you? Dude, I freaking love this. Uh,
2: <laughs> when I got to listen to a few episodes and just hear like fire in the belly to me is my mission of Unleash the Champ. Mm-hmm. And because I feel like there's so many people who have willingly walked into cages of comfort, of security, of conformity, of passive living, of small thinking. And we willingly walk into these cages. It's not like we're forced into them. It's we willingly walk in because of our upbringing, because of our examples, because of circumstances, situations, experiences in our life. And so for me, my fire in the belly is that I get to come along, rattle the cages, wake the people up, and I unlock the door and coach you on how to unleash the champ, by walking through the cages that have kept you stuck for years.
1: Why? And you, do you think that's a, like almost a subconscious choice? It's a safe option. For sure. Familiar territory. It's what mommy did. Daddy did. Many of the above, you know, it's just, cause why would you do anything different? Right? 100%.
2: I mean, it is, that's what I'm saying. It's of no fault of anybody. Mm. It is, we oftentimes will go towards what we've seen, modeled, what we've been told we should do and what we are taught how to think. That's that's because well-intended people, that's my belief is that it's well-intended people have given us their perspective. But for those of us that have been called to greater things, bigger things, a championship run that is so grand that it makes them want to like puke. It takes on walking out and unleashing that champion, just going, you know what? Like with, with me, like I said, I was 51% sure this thing would work, man. That's good. And there's odds. still a lot of days I'm like, I'm still 51% sure this is going to work, but it tipped the scales and I'm running with this thing. And yeah, man, I think so often people will, they'll just go, "Ah, you know what, even if I don't like how this is, at least I know how it's going to work out. So I'll just stay here because there's a ton of folks, there's a ton of folks that stay in positions, relationships that no longer serve them, that they know they should get out of, but it's familiar. And so they'll just stay because even if it's painful, at least they know what to expect from it. And the idea of calling them to a greater purpose or for them to start dreaming again, for them to get to a place where they go, you know what? I'm going to invest in myself. That's a foreign concept. But once you get people to start going in those places in their minds, Ooh, it starts to give fun, man.
3: Mm. What scares you? Success To find enough,
2: yeah, yeah, so I used to say I had a fear fear of failure, but I'm not really f- afraid of failure. I've done that, Lindy. My life would my life would tell me that I'm not actually afraid to fail. But what I am afraid of is who I have to become to achieve the success that I see with my eyes closed because what it means is that there's going to be relationships that I hold dear right now that probably won't be in my life five, 10 years from now. Hmm. And there's, there's places that, you know, maybe once held a very prominent place in my heart that I don't, I don't engage with as much. And so I think it's, I have to sell out to the vision that is within my head. And so getting to a place of going, okay, if this happens, I feel like this is who I have to become. And if I become this person, here's the things I'm not going to tolerate anymore in my life here's the things that I'm going to say, here's the things that I'm gonna do, here's the places I'm gonna be, here's the relationships I'm gonna have. And then I have to look around and go, is that in alignment with where I'm at right now? If yes, great. If no, then we have to change it. And that change is difficult. And so what I'm fearful of is, what I will have to do to get the success that I feel I'm called to have.
1: You have a calling, a purpose, a higher purpose.
2: Yeah. So how I've worded it is to lead and develop people to discover and chase after the championship run that they were designed to to have. And so the championship run for me is their destiny. So that's my, that's my overarching purpose. And how that gets fleshed out is through the coaching company, through the podcast, through speaking, through retreats, and it will expand as the business expands. Mm. Um, But yeah, man, that's my purpose is because I think there's so many people that are living safe, thinking small, and that's that's just not who we're destined to be. You know, it's said in so many times over the years that the most expensive piece of property in any place in the world is the cemetery because the cemetery is where people are, are buried and there's dreams, there's visions, there's cures, there's, there's, there's countless things that would have made the world a better place that die with them because they were afraid to take the step. My mission is to unlock as many of those cages as possible, while I'm on this earth.
1: Can Can I ask where you where you sit now in terms of religion, Jesus, the church?
2: Yeah, so I was a pastor for 11 years of a non denominational, you know, church. Um, Two in that time frame, and so I have an active faith in God, uh, a strong belief in Jesus. I believe heavily in the work of what the Bible calls the Holy Spirit and it drives, it's central for everything that I do um, because of my, my transformation with it myself, going from somebody that could care less about it, didn't understand it, didn't believe it, to where it became the only thing that made sense for me. And so... I my you know we go to church every week, we we're in groups, we my my faith is central to what I do. And so much of it was really birthed out of like my belief, and I feel God gave me this vision to do this. Hmm. And it, it was weird because much like what I was talking about earlier, to step into the vision I felt God gave me, it may it meant stepping away from the ministry he gave me Mm. so that i could have another ministry in the marketplace
0: and Mm. i'll be honest
2: with you man there's times now where i feel more like a pastor as a business owner than i did as a pastor working on staff paid by church because now people don't expect me to talk about jesus Mm. and so when it comes up in conversation People are a lot more receptive when they find out that, like, oh, just, I just run a business, uh, you know, I speak, I do podcasting, not when, oh, I work at the church. Because then they're like, oh, you're just supposed to tell me about this. It's more do, welcome now.
1: Do, do people get you generally?
2: Do people get me? Yeah. What do you mean by that?
1: Some people it's like they kind of almost have to slow the mind down to be able to communicate. Some people it's like, they get a lot of blank faces and that's cool. They, they appeal to 1% or whatever. Some people it's kind of bigger, broader than that. Just what's your take? Do you you see sort of vague faces or generally are people nodding with you?
2: (laughs) I love that. Um, I think generally people are nodding with me, but I also think that depends on, depends on the room and I mean, be, being able to, uh, learn how to read a room. I can adjust how I need to, uh, based on the conversation it, it's being had. Like if, you know, I'm in an arena full of people, I'm be even bigger than I am here. But if it was like, you know, somebody I just met, I'm not going to talk near as much as I am right now. Hmm. Do
1: you love who you are now? Are you proud of who yeah, you are? I am. I'm strong.
2: Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it goes back to that. I'm, I'm, I'm content, but not satisfied. I'm, I'm proud, but not without pressure. Um, I'm, you know, content, but again, I know there's so much more in the tank. Hmm. but yeah i i really do i love where i'm at i love what i'm building i love who i get to build it with yeah man i do and i haven't been asked that i'm glad that it came out as quickly as it did Hmm. that was that was more the brain talking so i appreciate that brother
1: And, and what, what have you learned over the last couple of years? I mean, this sort of transition, this latest transition you've made, you know, what, what's, what has been the takeaway so far?
2: Yeah. So a few things, one, it was an underestimation. So I underestimated how lonely this journey would be,
3: mm.
2: you know, like, a, uh, I started working when I was 16 years old, started the business at 33, So, for 17 years, like I was always a part of a team, always got to work with people, always got to be around people. And so, learning, oh, it's just you, that was really lonely. Um, And I had that was really, again, a catalyst for a lot of my internal work because I had to be okay with me by myself Mm. because I couldn't deflect it to, everybody else I was around. So I think that's one. I think okay. another thing was me understanding that you have to be selective with who you tell the vision to. You know, when, when there's a vision inside of you, you can't tell it too early and you can't tell it to the wrong people. Like there's pieces of, of what I think and believe will ultimately happen that I've not mentioned to anybody, not even my wife, because I haven't been released to say it yet. I think there's a difference in what I've learned is there's difference between the reveal of something in our hearts Mm. and the release of when it needs to be talked about. Mm. And so I think that's another thing that I've learned. And then I would say the third thing that I've learned through all of this is that, you know, I joke, but you have to move on 51. So I'm 51% sure this is going to work. You got to take a step. Like as soon as you, as soon as you feel, I think, I think this could be it. Boom, Because the peace that all of us hope for after a decision, that's when it's going to come. Is after a decision, not before we make that decision. So, you know, I say it like peace follows our obedience, it rarely precedes it. And mm. so when we're wanting to make a big decision, we go back and forth like this internal ping-pong game in our head. But the moment we say, This is what we're doing, there's peace that comes from that, there's confidence that comes from that, there's action that comes from that. But when we're in the internal should we do this? Should not? Should I do this? Should not? And boom, 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 boom. There's not peace in that. There's not confidence in that. There's no power in that. And so those would be three things that I feel like I've learned over the last couple of years doing this.
1: That's powerful. And to talk to me about that. that sort of decision-making process. I mean, is that, do you externalize it? Do you look for a sign? Do you sense how you feel about it? Do you sort of saying yes. you almost don't chat with friends? You you sort of internalize more, right?
2: Yeah. So I have, let's say there's a group of five guys that get the raw, uncut, unedited. I mean, they, they are the guys that are going to high five me on the mountaintop and talk me off the cliff. Like those are like, and so they will get, I can't believe this! I'm never doing this again. This they will get that version of me. <laughs> and so I—I I work through that. I have, you know, I, I jokingly call it like my brain trust because their guys very different than me, which is good because if I had a again, like what you mentioned, if we we're all the same, I mean, I'd be jumping out of planes, throwing me the parachute. Uh, if I catch it, great. If not, we'll recover. It's fine. And we would just, it it would be chaos. And so I have guys that are like, okay, Sullivan, have you thought about this? Have you considered this? Maybe this isn't the right term. Um, But a lot of it does come from my, my faith and going, okay. You know, I have a running note that I just, I just make notes of things that I I think about ideas that I have concepts that I'm either thinking of or rethinking and, you know, I go, okay, like, is this the time? Is this, who could this be beneficial for? Um, and so it's a lot of intuition, but it's a lot of really trusted relationships of guys that are further along than me, that can, that can operate in wisdom for me, uh, that are different than me, that are gonna like, pull the you know the neck of my shirt go okay hey slow down sullivan slow down um and so i think it's yes to all of it it's all beneficial um within the right frame of where we're at
3: Mm.
1: no it's 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 a powerful way to look at it you know i think it's you know it's it's having that strong tribe right you know it's someone that's gonna stretch you out and call your bs too right and as you say that you can you can just hang with them and, and somebody can tell when you're <laughs> the head and the heart aren't, yeah. <laughs> they aren't necessarily in alignment. You know? Yeah. 100%.
2: Where's
1: your, where's your, uh, I mean, where did ideas come for you? Are you a shower man? Are you, uh, grinded out in the gym, sitting in a mountaintop? Where, where are they? Where's the flowing? Where's the intuition?
2: I, I feel most, most at peace and most clear with water. Um, anytime, anytime I can get to a beach, a pool, a lake, a stream if it's big enough, like I, there's something about the water that calms my soul. Um, I do get ideas in the gym. But typically it's because it's ideas spurred off of what I'm listening to. Um, so I listen to podcasts or books or or, or something um, while I'm working out. And there have been times where I will just do a voice memo of an idea of something I heard. Um and so that's different. Um I'm not a cold weather mountaintop person. <laughs> um I I choose beach over snow every day, 365. Um, but there is something about, um, water, the sound of water, um, that really just calms me down
1: in it, on it, looking at it, hearing it, what's
2: hearing it. Um, you know, a lot of times when I do my meditation, I'll, I'll just cue up a, Mm. uh, Ocean um, you know, and the calm app is what I use for some guided meditation um, they have where you can just do like ocean sounds and I will just sit I'll just sit and i'll I can picture myself toes in the sand like it just there's something about it for me um, and so but I, I I love to be on it um put me in a boat and I would, I would be I would, yeah, I'm all the way calm. Then, um, yeah, in it, on it, looking at it, hearing it, it just something about it, um, speaks just volumes to me.
3: Mm.
1: I'm so curious with your language, it, the pattern changes, you know, you go from kinesthetic to visual to to auditory, you know, and that switches quite frequently. Is that, that's something you're aware of.
2: I'm not. Talk to me about that.
1: I mean, you talked there about you know, f- you know, sort of feeling, you know, sort of, you know, the feeling of water being on it. Then, and then you talked about you know, and quite often it's you know, I suppose when we talk about our future selves, we visualize it. You know, what do I see? I see and see my future. Um, you know, and then you know, you talked obviously about you know the calms up and. You things like that, that you listen, you listen to audio books, you've talked about that. So it's almost like learning seems to be a listening style. The actual, if I'm asking you to do something, it's you've got to be doing it to learn it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: You know, and then the visualizing is for the future. It's just almost Mm -hmm. three different parts. It's it's just curious because people quite often are, are, are biased in one, but you seem to be sort of treading across all of them, which is great.
2: I, I haven't had that awareness before. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I guess I would. Yeah. Mighty P coming in clutch.
1: No, yeah, it's, it's, it's just interesting, right? Because we all, we all, <clears throat> you know, sort of if we if ever have to sit down and learn something, right. You know, and people will say, show me, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a doer. I'll learn by doing other people. My wife is like, give me the book. I'll read it. <laughs> it's like, don't give me the book. I'm not going to read it, you know? So, um, it's knowing your strengths, you know, but how do you learn? What's, what's your learning style for you?
2: I, I really do think it's a, uh, I want, I want to learn as much as I can about it, then go do it to apply what I've learned. So, You know, I will get to where um, things that I don't know that I haven't done before, Mm -hmm. I get really anal about it. Uh, Like, I want to know every little detail to the, to the like smallest detail and then I'll go do it with confidence of doing that, that task. I need less details because of my confidence in my ability to adapt increases with every rep that I do. So uh, like when I started speaking, you know, some 12 years ago when the first time I was on stage, I wrote out everything I was going to say to the pauses, how long the pauses were going to be the placement I was going to have on stage, the stance I was going to have, like I was so detailed, to where now, if you're like, Hey man, I got an event tomorrow. Could you come fly out? And you got 30 minutes and we need you to talk about blank thing. Yeah, I I can do that. And so, um, but I, I read a ton and then I did a ton and now, you know, I even watch amazing speakers. So in that, it kind of, as you gave that awareness just a few moments ago, I mean, like, I guess I do kind of flow in all of those, depending on, um, I think initially it's reading, then doing, then watching.
1: And Where would we find you in flow state? Where's your incubation period, as you say, your incubation zone?
2: And that's a great question. Um, Expound more on that. I want to make sure I understand.
1: Well, there's two sides generally. I mean, some people say, stick me in front of a microphone on a stage. You're going to get me uncut, unscripted. It's flow and that's cool. And other people, it's put me in a dark room. Give me a pen. Give me a book. You'll get me in flow there. So we can vary, right?
2: Oh, Light and pride. Gotcha. Put me on the stage. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You put me in a dark room and tell me I got to write stuff out. I'm going to look at the page. Like I always hated, uh, I always hated projects where we started with a blank page and I had to come up with everything. I'm way more collaborative. And so the engagement from the crowd Mm. would influence like, okay, Hey, that, that really landed. No, that didn't. Okay. And I, I can be processing all of that while I'm, while I'm communicating, but you shut me in a room by myself. I'm not going to, it's not going to be as good of a product.
3: Mm.
1: How is the inner voice? Do you do you talk to yourself? Do, how do you get on with you?
2: Oh, <laughs> we talk a lot. <laughs> we talk a lot, my man. Um, I mean, there's times where I I literally will have conversations of like, okay, Sullivan, like you gotta figure this thing out, okay, like what would you do? And I almost am like talking to again that future self, mm. and a lot of times the inner voice and I we we will have the dialogue when I go, okay, my inner voice is where I want to be. Who is that person? What are they acting like? Who? What are their relationships like? Where are they going? What are they doing? And that influences a decision that I need to make now. Um, And yeah, when I'm, when I'm spiraling, it's uh, okay. You got to get this together. This is not who you're called to be. This is not what you're. And then again, I go, I'm one that if I'm spinning out of control, those five guys know that at least three of them getting a phone call. Because I got to talk this thing through, and once I talk it through, then the inner voice calms down.
1: That's that's yeah. It's so interesting that you know that's the sort of process that we're maybe aware of or not aware of, you know, and go through. It's that creative zone, it's zone of genius. And tell me this: when's a great time to get you in the room, and when's a great time to get you out of the room?
2: Okay. Expand again. You ask such great questions.
1: So it's some people say, whether it's negotiation, problem solving, trying to find a solution. Um, I know for me, it's like when it comes to the doing stage, the admin get me out of the room because I'll probably wreck the place.
2: <laughs> Same. I am the, I'm the visionary. I can sell. Um, if we're in a, Uh, if there's ideas that are going to be collaborating, I can, I, I feed off of the energy of people, but when you get to the, okay, Hey, we gotta, we gotta get to the nuts and bolts. And then that's where I'm like, like, I'm going, I'm gonna go to sleep because I'm like, can we just, can we just go do like, we'll just figure it out. Like we don't, And it's it's funny. My wife and I were just talking about this. Uh, We went to a coffee shop yesterday. We're just talking. She's like, you need to you need to improve some of the back end stuff of your business. Like, I will figure it out. She's like, oh, I need to help you. I was like, sure. Yeah, help me. So, yeah, it's the uh, the ideation, the sales part of it, motivating people. We got to get in the weeds and figure out SOPs. Mm-mm. just tell me what system we're going to run and I'll go run that. Uh, but I don't want to be a part of the the weeds of it. I want to stay in the clouds.
1: Mm. No, I totally get that. And, then, and from what you've said before, it sounds like there's a lot of it is, um, don't give me a blank sheet. Let's tell me what's wrong. I'll fix it. Let we'll find a solution. Right. right. So you need, you need to bounce off something. You know, some people yes. are saying, listen, go away. Don't distract me. We will create, you know, the role we, me myself, and I will go. On. <laughs> right. Whereas you're you're bouncing, right? You're you're sort of picking up the energy. You're you're driving on that side. Is that fair?
2: Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Um, I I am at my best when uh, there's there's collaboration and conversation. Mm. Uh, you you stick me in isolation with a white sheet. I'm gonna stare at that sheet until someone comes and talks to me. Mm. <laughs> and like, and it could be such a it could be a simple like, hey, so what are you supposed to do with that that project? Oh, and it's just like, <laughs> but if I'm by myself, I will go. <clears throat> okay. But that one spark can, mm. can go, but I need the match. I need some, something or someone to be the match.
1: Mm. Do, do people around you? I mean, do your, your wife, your family, or is it those mentors? Are they, are they the sparks for you? Are they the ones that keep All you grounded?
2: Uh, wife keeps me grounded for sure. Um, we are the epitome of opposites attract. Um She's the one that's like, so like, believe you, trust you, love you. <laughs> do you think you should say it like exactly like that? Especially when I was in, in ministry leading, you know, hundreds of people, I'd be like, I'd tell her a situation of some, a conversation I needed to have and Pete, she would literally go, so do you think you need to say it exactly like that? Yes, this is what they did. This is what I'm going to say. This is what we're going to do about it, and we're going to move forward. Yeah, you sound like an a-hole. Really? I, no, like, that's not my Like, I don't want No, it's just like, this is what we said. This is what we're doing, and then we're going to move on. Yeah, people don't think as concrete as you, Kyle. So my wife definitely grounds me. Um, and I got friends that are, boy, they're dreamers. They're the ones that are like, come on, Sullivan. And I got some that are going, okay, come on, man. You got this right where you're at. And I got two that are light years ahead of me that oftentimes I just, I I watch and we talk and I'm like, holy crap, this is what you're doing. Like they're just those glass, they're ceiling breakers for me where I look and go, oh my gosh, if you you can do it, I can too. Mm -hmm. So yes. Wife grounds me, friends. I would say one grounds me, two, I'm thinking of my five. One grounds me, two is right where I'm at. Hey, you got this, you're going. And then two are the ceiling breakers of like, Mm. if you can do it, I can do it. Let's go.
1: Mm. What, I mean, you have mentioned a couple there, but I mean, what's been really sort of pivotal moment, changing moments in your life? I mean, you mentioned obviously there, Getting jumped, you know, and that yep. deal deal going bad. Yep. What What else really stands out for you?
2: Yeah, i I think one, the the jumping for sure. Two, when I got married. Uh, three, when I, uh, when I held my daughter for the first time, and became a father, uh, and And then stepping away from my career in ministry were huge moments of my life where I didn't feel prepared. I didn't know what I was going to do next. But I said, you know what, every season, every moment of that gave me a greater awareness for what's before me, who I needed to become, what I needed to do to show up differently. And all of those moments have built upon themselves. Um, and so those were, you know, just a handful of those uh, altering dates in, in our lives.
3: Mm.
1: And do you feel the path that you're on now? Is this, is this path for life or is this the right thing at this time? you know, how do you see the future? I mean, do you see the future? Or are you very much like it will come and, and it'll be presented to me in whatever shape or form? What yes. do you think?
2: So I definitely think until until felt otherwise, this is the thing. Hmm. Um, but I also thought that when I was in ministry.
3: Hmm.
2: If you would have asked me two years ago, I was going to retire a pastor. And so I think there's a healthy sense of like, man, the thing I'm doing right now is the thing forever.
3: Mm. Uh,
2: But I I know my mission, we stated it earlier, uh, to lead and develop people to discover and unleash the championship run within them. That's the mission. Well, I did that as a pastor. I did that as a college student. I did that as, I mean, in some ways as a drug dealer, I do it as a husband, do it as a father. So the mission stays the same. We, I'm married to the mission, but I date the model. How, how, how the model is right now, my assignment is to run a coaching company and that's what we're doing. A year from now, it could look different, but does it tie back to the mission? If it does, cool. If it, one day I go back into You know, the context of vocational ministry working for church staff, maybe? I don't know. Do I see it right now? No. But could it happen? Sure. I'm not going to limit what I could be doing because I'm so locked in that this has got to be the thing. That's, That's not the frame I live. So do I see myself doing this forever? 100%. Could I see myself
3: changing? One
1: hundred percent. It's almost got to happen, right? You know, that's where the change is. There's there's energy in change too, right? You know, and that's yep. you know, it's 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 like a chemical reaction. It gives off heat, gives off energy at the same time. One hundred percent. Hmm. Tell me, talk to me about you know your your, your podcast and, and really that mentoring side. You know, unleashing the champ you know, what is it, what was your intention and, and, you know, how has that grown you as a person?
2: Yeah. So champ is an acronym stands for your calling, your heart, your altitude, mindset, performance. So those five pillars of unleash the champ is what aligns us to have a championship run in our life. If we can get those things in order, then we're, way more likely to have the success that we desire that we set out before us and become the people that we say we're going to become. Hmm. The podcast is just one. It really started for me being totally selfish and wanting to learn from dope people. It was like, okay, if I, if I can interview these people and I can take notes and cause when I'm on the other side of the mic and I'm not talking this much, oh man, I'm taking so many notes. It's awesome. It's great. And I go, I come away from it going, I don't care if another person gets something out of this. I know I did. Mm-hmm. And so we started the podcast back in March and, um, and so it's just been amazing. Um, and so that was really a big piece of it. And too it allowed me to get some of these leadership ideas out of my head that hmm. were just dormant because I didn't have, you know, when I was leading a team of people, I gave leadership talks every week. And so I was constantly coming up with these ideas and, and it just was dormant because I didn't have a team of people that I was giving these talks to every week. And so the podcast was really just going, okay, Hey, twice a month, I'm just going to teach and I'm going to give these quick hit 10, 12 minute like easily applicable, you can apply it right then. And uh, and really it just gets it out of my head and into the world and and people have listened and said, you know, you know it's spurred people going, okay, hey, you mentioned that thing, I think I deal with that, like, can we talk more? And it's a way to grow the business, which is a byproduct really of my desire. Um, and so it's just been super, super fun, uh, all of it. I should have known how much I would love podcasting. And being on shows like this, having these conversations, it really hit a need that I had of talking with people and getting that energy again. Because like I know in the, you know, the pre stuff of your show, it's like, hey, you may feel drained. You may feel energized. All this is normal. I'm like, yes. Like, I, I feel like I can run through a wall right now because of this conversation, because I'm just so excited. I get so ramped up. Um, and so all of it has uh, has built upon that.
3: Hmm.
1: What, what what do you sort of desire that your audience takes away from the show? You know, what's your, what's your intention there? What are you trying to get across? Let them hear.
2: Yeah, it's time to win. Mm. So how, how I market it is that you're going to hear practical, practical leadership tips and success stories of people who have made the championship run happen in their life. So I've been able to interview everybody, Uh, you know, probably I love all their interviews. I know we all say that, but Joe Delagrave was one. He was one of the captains for the Paralympic U S team. And like they won silver and that was just awesome to hear, you know, him months, you know, as they're getting ready to train for Tokyo and going over, I'm watching him at 3 AM in the morning going like, I had a conversation with this dude. Like, this is nuts. And so, you know, being able to share stories like that of people who, you know, as listeners dial in and, and listen in, dial in, that's that's archaic. But as they listen in, um, they, they feel inspired to take a step in their championship run. They feel inspired to say, you know what? I feel stuck right now. I feel confused, but I believe there's a champion inside of me. I believe that I can make this championship run happen. I'm going to step out of the cage that I've been in. And if they just take one step, it's a win for me because Mm -hmm. one step, it's the snowball effect that starts to happen when we just take the right next step. And I hope the podcast does just that for them.
3: Mm.
1: Do you have a, do you have a favorite or a defining question that really for you just, it really sort of helps to solidify. Yep.
2: So every interview I have, I ask the same question at the end and it's, what does it mean to be a champion to you? Mm. Because much like, your, your concept of what is the fire in the belly? What is a champion to you? No, two people have answered it the same because our lens of how we view champions is very different. And so that's my bookended question, every podcast, and it always just adds a nice little bow uh, to the present of the conversation.
1: And what, what have you learned from that question? What, what's been the is there a common answer what have you heard what have you learned what what
2: i've i've been reminded of how different we all are because i have a framework of what a champion is to me and even my frame nobody has said the same thing as what i think and so it's it's revealed and reminded me of just how different we are and how beautiful that is Because when I'm talking to, you know, a a Paralympic athlete that's won, you know, medals, his view is different than the gentleman that is on a mission that's incredible to, to transform how we help kids read better to the person that turns trials into triumphs to the, like, everybody has a different viewpoint and it's just beautiful to hear all of the different stories and all of how it fleshes out.
3: Have you
1: noticed that um, or similarities in people, this is the contrast in people's journey, but like yourself, you know, it's like when you see the dark times, does that give a greater appreciation for when people appreciate the light times, you know, the, the good times
2: is, 100%. That,
1: is that contrast useful to, to own your, your
2: darkness? Yeah, I definitely think the, the stories that I've heard, there's a, there's a good bit of adversity in the, in the championship run because through adversity produces appreciation. Hmm. And so when there's things that you have to work through and things you have to battle internally, externally, and you get to the place of going, I did it. We did it. We won. Whatever that thing is. Oh, yeah. The, the dark night of the soul produces a great appreciation for when you get to high five everybody at the top.
1: What do you respect most in a person?
2: I'm going to say what came first, resiliency, hmm. resiliency and authenticity. I love being able to see a person in various environments and that they're fairly similar. Now I'm not one that thinks you've got to be the same in every environment because how I am on stage and how I am In a coffee shop, it's very different. It's appropriate, Um, but I think the the resiliency of just going like, "Oh, you've been through it, man, and you've come out on the other end," and you know you don't have to have this crazy past like mine. Like my wife has comparatively, she's gone through her own trials and struggles and and developed her own resiliency, but she hadn't gone through any of the crazy like over the top stuff I've had but I would say she's still one of the most resilient people I know is because her her struggle, her trials turned into triumph. And so being able to admire that in people and just people that have stepped up to the plate, they've, they've made it through and they just continue to like, that's just inspiring to me when I can hear of somebody that's like, yo, I've been through some stuff, I've come out on the other end, I get fired up and I want to gas them up even more.
1: Are you more inspired by the journey or are you more inspired by what's possible?
2: Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So I love hearing the story. I love hearing the journey because it makes what's possible real. Mm. Mm. Because when I can hear, if I just hear like the end result, I'm like, (sighs) It. Good luck, someone. Mm. But if I can hear, oh no, I went through this and this and this, and God, this was a terrible second. Man, this was huge. I thought it was gonna pop here and it didn't. And I had to go. I find appreciation in the process, but I'm also inspired by the end result of going. Cool, me too. Let's go. Mm.
1: Who's who's really stood out in your life? Who's inspired you, motivated you? Famous, non-famous, family, non-family, whatever.
2: Inspire. Again, I'm going off. Uh, I think the person that inspires me most right now uh, is my daughter. Um, I'm seeing, like every day, I see her belief grow. Hmm. I mean, man, she, she's a firecracker. She's like the female version of me. She's loud. She, she is, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's looking at me, but I just love how she's internalizing truths about herself. Like one of her, one of, one of her affirmations is I lead. Like it's simply I lead. And I see her do that. And I like peek around the day court, daycare door before I leave. And I see her doing that with her, with, you know, she's not even two yet, man. And I just, you know, my kids, my son's almost two and I'm inspired by like, everything is new to him right now. And, you know, he's doing tummy time and lifting his head up and like, you know, like that inspires me because it'd be way easier for him not to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, my wife inspires me because she's a freaking rock star. Because like she's had two kids under two years old. And it's like that inspires me for a whole different set of reasons. Because she, I couldn't do that. Now, if if men had to produce babies, no peace out. Son. I'm out. Uh, there'd be a hundred thousand people on planet Earth. Like, I don't think we could do that. Um, so she inspires me. My my coach and the mastermind I'm a part of those guys inspire me because man, they are constantly pushing for what could be and, and just continue to, to increase my vision. Um, my friends inspire me because one, they put up with me. And so that's a big deal. Um, and two, they're all doing different things. Yeah, you know, I got friends still in ministry that are leading I mean, I don't envy anybody in vocational ministry leading a church right now in this climate and culture that we have. Um, We're more divided than ever. And so somebody on a public platform day in and day out that has to lead people of varying beliefs socially, like that inspires me because the resiliency that that takes. Um, So, man, I'm inspired by a lot of people. Uh, and I take time to really acknowledge that a um, few times a week mm-hmm. because I think it's important. Because I love how you even asked the question, you know, famous, non famous, you know, because there's a lot of people that I, in my head, are famous that no one will ever know. Mm.
3: Mm.
2: What's,
1: what's your take on where? the world uh, is at in regards to religion, church, or general state of mind? I mean, are people looking, you know, we talked about them being divided, or what's your sense of the overall pulse of the population and such?
2: You know, I think we're, we're, at least in the States, we're really catching up to most of the world with a post-Christian belief system you know, the gospel and Christianity is pretty offensive when you take it at brass tacks. Um, it is about heart transformation, but it's also about behavior. Like there's some things that change in your behavior when you um, adhere to the to the faith and to that being the, the driving factor of how you live your life. Um, and I just don't think that people care to be that bold today, because it's hard to not offend somebody. Hmm. Um, you know, I think one of the things that has divided us a ton is just how we don't know. Like ev- everything seems fluid these days. That it's like if you believe something it means you don't value what I believe in. That's just not true. I mean, it is in some cases, but who wants? Those people would find something to be upset about, regardless, but I think we've lost particularly in the church, we've lost the ability to believe wholly in what we believe and love people where they're at, regardless of what they belong to or what they behave like or what they even believe like, and I think that that is causing a ton of division mm. um and so you know it's 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 funny and and kind of I'm like, I don't have the song playing in my head, but like really, all we need is love mm-hmm. <laughs> like like it really is that simple, but we're so easily offended in our world today that if we could lay down the offense and see, yeah, there's some things that people post that. I wouldn't post or people say that I wouldn't say, um, believe that I wouldn't believe like, but they're still a human. And I feel like church, inside the walls of the church, outside the walls of the church, if we could just get back to be, to the belief that we are human and simply for that, we should have at least a baseline uh, level of respect for one another you probably see
1: a lot of things in, in the world change. Mm. No, it's true. It's, but well, that's the thing. Cause I mean, even love is it's made up of to, 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 to love, you have to respect, you've got to yep. honor, yep. you know, there's, and there's so much within that. So, you know, um, it's also a song title, but yeah, no, it is. It's true. It's, it's, it's all those things together. I mean, your, your core values, where, where would you set your core values, soul values, what comes out top for you?
2: Yeah, so I definitely think uh, that's a big that's a big piece because where if we don't have values, if we don't have things that we we go for, um, yeah, we're just you know, to use the water analogy, we just keep getting tossed tossed around. And so you know, so much of what I do is I have these things called uh, words to live by and it's things for me again my faith so the first one is jesus is first in my life i exist to serve and glorify him so it's a simple statement like that you know uh, i love my wife and i laid down my life to serve her i love people and believe the best about them i'll always search for ways to encourage and motivate and inspire those around me Uh, i'll be the best teammate the hardest worker and i'll honor leadership wherever i'm found uh, I'm disciplined because discipline equals freedom. You know those are things that i I say, um and there's more, but we don't have to go into all of them. Um, but those are things that i I hold to myself, mm-hmm. and because of that, I'm able to you know show up how I need to
1: when When did those commitments to yourself when when did they come into play?
2: Oh, my gosh, man. So, Probably four or five years ago. Um, Literally, it's one of those, you know, kind of cliche type of stories. I woke up and I grabbed my phone and I just felt I needed to start typing. And it was in that that these 13 statements came out. And I literally, they came out. I felt done. I put the phone back on the charger. You know, on my nightstand, and I went back to sleep. And then the next day, I was like, huh. Wow, there's, okay. And so, it literally, man, was just this, like, I was woken up. I typed them out. I read them, said, okay, great. And Uh I read through them, you know, multiple times a week.
1: Hmm. What are you capable of, do you know?
2: I've never been asked that. Uh, The vision that I have in my head, I'm capable of. Um, Conferences, retreats, a foundation for for youth and and students in school. Um, Capable of becoming the absolute best father. Uh, our vision as parents is to when our kids don't have to, they choose to come home. Um, vision with my wife is that when, uh, that we we embrace, uh, we embrace each other, understand that we're always growing, that we'll never hold each other back, capable of that. Uh, yeah, I'm capable of of a lot as long mm. as I get out of my way.
1: It's interesting. There's
2: a big contingency there.
1: Mm. It's always interesting the different tenses and, and it's coming to play again. Slightly, it's <clears throat> the my part of you is a it seems to be a reoccurring thing Getting out of my way, mm-hmm. my problem. You know, is the I is capable, but the my is. <laughs> That's the problem child, and the you know the uh the three the so sort of the three versions of you
2: yep
1: it's amazing that it? how we all no matter how good we are, we always have a little bit of a disparity amongst ourselves yep yeah tell us what's what's a bit of a guilty pleasure for you, cal? Take the guilt out of it if you want I don't
2: mind right, yeah um what is what was a guilty pleasure? I mean, I like a good drink and a cigar. Is that does that count? Uh it's the
1: most common answer. <laughs>
2: yeah. I'm like, man, I've had some of the best conversations around a old fashioned and uh in a cigar. Um wine and chocolate beer
1: cigars yep, seem to be yep. right
2: up there. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in good company. Um yeah, man. Uh, during the pandemic, I picked up golf, so that's kind of a guilty pleasure now. Uh, mm. Because it was like the only thing open where I, where we were at, and so because you could be outside, mm. and so that was a uh, that was good. Um, yeah, I, every so often i get I get locked into TV shows. So, a couple of uh, TV shows that I really love just came back on. Um, so I'm back watching TV, um, there
1: is TV a bit of a rare thing for you or do you,
2: yeah. Um, so it's a lot more common in the fall with football. (laughs) Um, so I, I think I get enough TV watching in four and a half months of a football season, uh, than most do in a 12 month, uh, span. Um, but then also, uh, there's a, a show that has had a couple of spinoffs that I really enjoy called power mm-hmm. and, uh, and then another one called billions. Um, so I, I enjoy TV shows, but they have a very clear, um, theme in them, um, that's that I get, that I get hooked into. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. Favorite movie? pursuit of happiness.
1: Interesting. Cause the journey, the acting, the story, what was it?
2: Yeah, man, it's the, it's the journey. And I think it, it speaks to me, um, you know, so much because my dad was a senior in high school when I was born. My real mom, I don't know who she is. She left when I was like six months old. Um, and so my dad had remarried, um, but it was when you know, I was like three. So I get that piece of it. Um, again, just the, the journey of making ends I meet mean, I I just watched it a few months back. It's one of the few movies that I have watched more than once. Like I'm typically like I watch a movie. We're done. Um, <laughs> like I just, I have friends that just quote movies and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Did you not see that movie? Yeah. I saw it, but like, kind of um, But yeah, that's one. And Will Smith, I mean, I just I'll watch anything he's in, Uh, but it was more the story. And I watched Mm -hmm. it, you know, even after uh, my daughter was born and that hit different as a parent um, and understanding more some of the sacrifice that parents make um, to, you know paint a pig if you will of you know how he would tell the story of like oh no we get to go on this adventure and you know this is in and the in and, you know, the kids so resilient is just like oh cool i'm with dad like i'm good um but we know as the watcher like god man you just you you're you're two steps away from rock bottom hmm. and uh, even then how he assured his son like hey we're gonna be okay like we're gonna make this work and um yeah, so there was just so much to that that I loved. Um, this is easily my favorite favorite movie.
1: Mm. No, it's it's incredibly strong message. You know, really, really powerful. I don't be said for that. Tell me, what's the pleasure? Pleasure? Where would we find you? What's that? leisure and pleasure? Where would we find you?
2: Of- uh, golf course. Yeah. yeah. Uh Beach we talked about um yeah those would be um if i if i was by myself you know that's where i'd go um you know with the fam we walk around our neighborhood a lot (laughs) it's we uh we like to get outside and Mm. uh and i i learned early on in my marriage that if i'm distracted i connect better um, I'm not typically one that wants to just share what I'm thinking or feeling about things. And so if my wife and I are walking, I'm way more open. <laughs> um, it's, it really is like a distract to connect type deal. Um, and so we'll do that sometimes. Um,
1: yeah. That's cool. Those are the say Yeah. Most, most of the big conversations in life happen in the car. <laughs> it's because you, yep. you kind of focus on what you're doing. The conscious mind has to stay, stay in yep. charge of the vehicle. The unconscious mind just decides to, yeah, out you <laughs> in exactly. every possible way. That's cool. So if you were, if we were to describe your fire in the belly in, in one or two words, what would they be, Kai? Unleash the champ.
3: Mm. Mm. It's
1: powerful. It's powerful. Tell us, where can people find you, follow you, listen to you, hunt you down, stalk you, any of the above? Yeah.
2: All the social media platforms that your heart desires is Kyle J. Sullivan. Um, that's my name. I have a podcast, Unleash the Champ Leadership Podcast. Love to hear that. And again, much like we shared a lot of stories here, um, love to hear any of your listeners' stories. So I'm most active on Instagram. You can uh, just pop over to my DMs, put fire in the belly. So I know it came from this show and I'd love to hear your story, what you're up to and how I could serve. Cool.
1: Kyle a final message you'd like to leave with our future champs.
2: That's right. So we mentioned it and teased it, but the piece you're looking for will come with your action. So if you're sitting here today going, should I make the decision? Should I go this way? Mm-hmm. Yes. Here's your sign. You're looking for it. This is it. Take action and the peace will follow. Wow, love it.
1: Too so strong. Carl. I thank you for your time. Listen, it's been awesome. Awesome chatting here today and uh, I've no doubt we'll speak again. So but thank you. Thank you for being here. Yes, sir.
2: Absolutely. It was a, it was an honor to be on here.
0: Thank you. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without a great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys. And by the way, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you.